As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Counting down the days to Cowboys Camp 2022. What we'll boots on the ground out there? His father, John Mishota, packs his Duke, Florida State themed carry on, goes out there to cover it all for you. What we'll Bob Sturm out there, of course, as well. David Helmut will be there. He's joining us again from Fox Sports. And stay tuned to the end of the episode to hear the first five minutes of our narrative podcast series, Luck. Available right now on the Athletic Football Show feed. Our Colts reporter, Zach Kiefer, caught up with a ton of people. Worked for months and months and months on this project. And the result is outstanding. Highly recommend luck on the Athletic Football Show feed. But we'll play the first five minutes of it for you at the end of the show. I'm Kent. Welcome back into About Them Cowboys, where I am producing and joined by two of the best of the best when it comes to breaking down all things Cowboys. We've got Father John Mashota from The Athletic and from The Eagle. It's Kevin KT Turner. Welcome back, KT. Uh, thank you so much, Kent. Dave, thanks for joining again. John, great to see you. Um, you kind of look like a Huey from The Boys, which is a show I just started <laughs> watching last week. But it's uh, you kind of look like Huey. I don't know if you've ever gotten that before. No, I don't even know who that is. The Boys? Oh, le, le Petit Huey. It's it's the son of Dennis Quaid. 
Oh, KT, you're in for a treat, man. I binged actually like when I was between jobs with DC.com and Fox Sports, I watched like that whole show in about three days. Highly recommend it. Yeah. This guy looks like a young Dwight Schrute. (laughs) When I watch it, I'm like, this is amazing. It's John. It's I just assume it's you. It's amazing when you watch it. There's some things he does. He like makes your mannerisms. It's it's interesting. Okay. Uh, maybe I'll um, check it out. John's uh, not big into superhero stuff, but John, no. it is. It's not like your average superhero thing. Like it's it's not. It ain't Marvel. You know, it's a lot darker than that. I think I think you would. I think you might like it. It's kind of funny. I hate superhero stuff, and I am uh, absolutely uh, kind of enthralled by this through five episodes because it is kind of got a a really nice uh, edge to it, um, and. It involves Tony Romo's brother-in-law, right? Chase Crawford. It and sure that's does. how we got it back to Cowboys. I knew we could get it there. It's like, how are you going to say this? Tie it there in. you go. <laughs> okay, so the fan survey is back. And I love doing this. I love when you do this, John, every year. Uh, we're not going to go through all of it. All right, you got to earn it. If you want to see the 25 questions <laughs> and the results, you got to go to The Athletic and you got to find it. Or you can go to John's Twitter account. It's all linked up there. And find it, but there are some that I would like to, to cross. If there's one that you're dying to get to, John, just let me know. Um, I don't want to do the first one, which is how many games are they going to win, but I, I like the like the more big picture thing. How far will the Cowboys go this season? And your options are losing the first round of the playoffs, losing the divisional round of the playoffs, losing the championship game, miss the playoffs, win the Super Bowl, or losing the Super Bowl. Now. Only 4% of uh, the responses here says they're going to win the Super Bowl. So, you know, that's playing the odds. You get to the miss the playoffs crowd, you get about 8% right there. So pretty small amount, but that's 8% of the people who responded who are like, no, I'm not going to win this crappy division. I thought that was kind of amazing. And then you had the big tie, losing in the first round of the playoffs, losing in the divisional round of the playoffs. 37% 37% says losing the first round of the playoffs. 36% says losing the division around the playoffs. If that happens, my question for John, then Dave, does that get Mike McCarthy canned if they lose in the first round of the playoffs or losing the divisional round of the playoffs? Uh, I can't say for certain just because this is going to sound stupid, but you got to know who the other option is out there. You're not just going to replace your head coaches to replace them. So and I know a lot of people say, Sean Payton, I just I, I kind of will believe that when I see it. As much as people have connected the dots there, I just you still have to give up draft picks to trade for Sean Payton's contract, and I, this team doesn't add significant talent any other way other than draft picks. So just, I mean, it, it's possible if if how Jerry feels about Sean Payton w- would be a big factor in this because that could be yeah if you don't get past the divisional round and finally get to the NFC cha- take this team to the NFC Championship game. Uh, then yeah, he could be all right, Sean. You're 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 up. Uh, but I don't know that Jerry is that committed to going in the route of Sean Payton. You know, there's uh, people that are more connected to this than I that don't think it's as nearly as a foregone conclusion as like you'll see on some of your national, uh, you know, sports talk stations that just think that this is just the no brainer. This is just what's going to work out. But I don't I don't see them just replacing Mike McCarthy unless they have somebody else that they really like, and that could be Sean Payton, but. Falling short of the playoffs, absolutely he's gone. But you can't. I just if they lose in the first round, I think there's a really good chance he's gone. If they lose in the second round, 
I could see them selling the idea that, you know what, we're, we're headed back in the right direction and Jerry gives them another year. But uh, losing the first round or miss the playoffs, I, th- I think no matter what, he would, he would be replaced, even if that's promoting Dan Quinn or Kellen Moore or something, I think he would be out. Yeah, I was going to say, John, don't forget. I mean, I agree for the most part with everything you just said. I think the Sean Payton stuff, I think, is way more of a long shot than than the hot take artists of the world want you to believe. Um, but Dan Quinn's right there on the staff. And Jerry Jones has already sort of said, like, yeah, I'd hire him if I needed a head coach, which is a wild thing to say when you already have a head coach. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, so hey, I, but even with that, though, Dave, like how – Keep in mind that for that to happen, the defense is going to have to be absolutely lights out. Sure, sure, sure. So sure. in that scenario, it's a pretty fine scenario for me. If that's the case, then they they have to make the playoffs. There's no way you're missing the playoffs with a dope defense that's better than last year's defense that, that keeps Dan Quinn's stock rising. So then you'd have to get upset in like the first round of the playoffs for that scenario to work. Because if the defense looks worse than it was last year and it doesn't look like it's continuing to head in the right direction, I don't know that there'll be as much momentum behind his name. I, I completely agree. And that's, I mean, for the sake of brevity, I was just going to say, if they go one and done again, I think the McCarthy era is over. I just could, yeah. because last year was already disappointing. Jerry was mad about it. And if they do the same thing again, it's just like, wow, we're spinning our wheels. We can't even make progress in a bad division. And that's why I do. I could foresee a scenario where the defense is as good or better and they lose in the first round of the playoffs for some reason, and Dan Quinn is still an attractive candidate. Like, that's not really that hard for me to imagine. Um, I think it gets dicey if you get to the divisional round. Just, again, yeah, I mean, you know, you won a playoff game. You were one of the final four teams in the conference. Is it like a classic game, like the games against Green Bay from a few years back? Um, and, yeah, I think I think it, it it becomes easier to sell the idea of, like, we're so close we're so close to a breakthrough. Whereas if you like people said it last year, like if you lose in the wild card round, odds are that you don't really belong in the Super Bowl conversation unless something crazy happens during the game. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if they go one and done, I think it's over and everything after that, it's a little harder to predict. You guys remember uh, before 20, I know the concept of time has been crazy ever since the pandemic, but before 2021, how much buzz there was about the Washington football team and how much, um, you know, how good they were going to be on your question. Number seven on the fan survey, John, who will win the NFC East? 77% say the Cowboys, 21.5% say the Eagles, 1% say the Washington Commanders, in 0.6% say the Giants. So 1%. And to me, the only thing about Washington that's changed is that they have a better quarterback. That's, I mean, I, I, and I'm not a Carson Wentz fan, but like, it's not running Heineke and Fitz Magic out there. Dude, Wentz is not terrible, right? He's not good, but he's not terrible either. No. I thought it was a little odd that it was like everyone was like so certain that the Eagles, who did make the playoffs last year, would be, uh, that much ahead is the second place favorite in the division. Well, I mean, that AJ Brown move is huge. I mean, Ed yeah. Hassan Raddick is, is, is a, is a big move. Uh, the fact that nobody has won this thing back to back years since 2004, like just the odds would say that it's probably not going to be the Cowboys. The Eagles are clearly the next best thing. It just, a lot of that depends on Jalen hurts. How much you trust Jalen hurts? I personally don't, but I can see if he has a big year with, 
A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and some of those weapons they have there. They have a good offensive line. I can see things clicking for them and, and them heading in, in the right direction and them winning a, a bad division. I could still see the Cowboys making it as a wild card team. Um, but I think it. I, I pretty much agree with the fans in that one. Like I think it's the Eagles or Cowboys. I'd be stunned if it was one of the other two. Yeah, I agree. Um, I do. I, I agree with your premise, though, KT. Like, I feel like people are victims of recency bias. Like, the the Commanders were the it team of last off season, and obviously that worked out very poorly. But like, pretty much all of the things, all of the pieces that were in place last year are still there. And even though I don't think Carson Wentz is that good, they definitively upgraded at quarterback. He he's good for like two really stupid decisions per game, but he also like, I mean, go look at his numbers from Indy last year. Like they were not bad at all. Um, and they should have made the playoffs. They completely melted down. I think a big part of that is maybe Carson Wentz is not like the leader you would prefer to have from your quarterback. But if you liked Washington last off season, you should like them this off season. I guess that's all I'm saying. Uh, but I still, I wouldn't pick them to win the division. Um, the one, the one other thing though about Washington too is that Chase Young wasn't healthy last year. His numbers were nowhere near what they were the year before, and he is an absolute game wrecker. If you told me yeah. that basically this season he had the season that TJ Watt had this past year, I wouldn't be that surprised by it. I don't expect sure. it, but if you told me he had that season, I mean, he is that type of a talent to where if he took over and was just dominant, that would put them in the picture for sure. If if all of those guys on that front are healthy and clicking that is the type of front that can like carry you to a good season. I mean, pain, Allen sweat, and then obviously uh, chase young. I mean, yeah, they just, they didn't have it last year for a variety of reasons, but, but they could get it back. I would, that wouldn't surprise me. And then, yeah, I mean, I agree with you, John, I'm not really a Jalen hurts believer, uh, but the way that they were running the ball last year, uh, that's good enough to win you like six games right there. And then you only need him to play like two or three really great games to be in the playoff picture. So I, I mean, if I, if I had to pick it here in July, I would definitely pick the Cowboys to win the division, but, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked if it turned out another way. I, I don't, I wouldn't be completely surprised. Well, oh, the other thing about the Eagles too, when I mentioned AJ Brown and, and Raddick and that, I mean, I, I don't know. I think you probably agree with me on this day, but like, I really, like their draft a lot too. You know, I mean, who knows what Jordan oh. Davis does? Who knows what N'Kobe Dean does? I mean, they, they're more than just, uh, oh, they just added one or two, or they're, they're more than just the AJ Brown trade. Let's put it that way. Yeah, no, I thought they had a wonderful draft and yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny and, and I agree, obviously I'm a huge LSU homer. Like I, I have high hopes for what Jabril Cox can be for the Cowboys this year. But if you're excited about Jabril Cox, then you could understand why an Eagles fan would absolutely be excited about Nicobe Dean. I mean, that was a guy we spent the whole offseason talking about him as a top 20 pick. He goes in the third round. I mean, uh, he's not the same type of player as Micah Parsons, but like if you get a top 20 sort of impact from your from your fir- uh your third round pick, I mean, that would be incredible for them. Yeah, I, mean, I they're I'm I'm sneaky excited to see their defense. Like, yeah, you mentioned Reddick. Um, drafting Dean, drafting Jordan Davis. I mean, yeah, I think I think it'll be a lot of fun to watch. And then AJ Brown, AJ Brown, AJ Brown, AJ Brown. Yeah, him, that, was, yeah. that was a huge him move. Too. It was a huge him move. Too. Um, while we're on the rookie thread, uh, I like number ten, John. Which rookie will make the biggest impact this season? We have Tyler Smith, your first round pick. We have Jalen Tolbert, 
We have uh, Jonathan Garibay, Sam Williams, Jake Ferguson, uh, other. Tyler Smith won here at 43%. Uh, then came in Jalen Tolbert at 25%, your third-round pick at wide receiver. And then edging out Sam Williams right there for third is Texas Tech kicker Jonathan Garibay, my guy, coming in at third over Sam Williams. Do you agree with that, though, that uh, Tyler Smith, of all the rookies, will make the biggest impact? I, I do. Um and if you're a Cowboys fan, I mean, you really don't want to hear his name at all. Yeah, you know, you as did, long you as specify positive impact. Yeah, it could be, but, he, could be he has <laughs> yeah, right. Biggest impact. <laughs> yeah. If you Hopefully barely not. hear, if you barely hear his name, then probably good things are happening. Right. You don't want to have him basically the Connor Williams experiment where <laughs> it's penalties and uh, oh, how, you know how Dak gets sacked on this play, and then it's the replay, and you're just a guy blowing by him and stuff. So yeah, he's gonna. I mean, he's getting thrown out there right away. Whereas like. Tolbert would would be obviously be up there for me because of the fact that he just has to play right away. They're just they're not deep enough at receiver, especially with Gallup uh, not supposed to start right in right off the start of the season. But Garibay has to be in that conversation because if he's their kicker and it doesn't look like he has any significant competition for that job, just there's so much parity in this league. So many of these games come down to an extra point, a field goal late. Uh, he's going to have a significant impact. So. I don't think you can go wrong with any of those. Just be, and then there's just not a guy in this, you know, this third draft class that's like a Micah Parsons, you know, that's like a CD Lamb that you know is going to make that immediate like just stun you impact right away. I don't believe at least. Um, and it just, I mean, how good do you have to be as a left guard to to really turn heads? You know, I mean, I don't remember yeah. a ton of stuff from Zach Martin's rookie year. Obviously, he was an elite rookie player, but. Uh, I think it's best if the Cowboy, if you're a Cowboys fan, if you don't hear Tyler Smith's name a lot. Can't you just imagine, for better or for worse, like J- Jonathan? I mean, like the answer might be Jonathan Garibay. I mean, I get it. It makes sense <laughs> that it would be Tyler Smith. He's going to start, and uh, for again, for better or for worse, he'll either have a really big uh, positive impact or, or maybe a negative one. But like, I can just imagine. Garibay being like he's either going to be like a folk hero and he's got like he's got his own dance by halfway through the season because he hasn't missed a kick all year and like the fan base loves him and he's Dan Bailey 2.0 or it's going to be like bad Brett Maher when like the whole fan base just started cursing before he even jogged out to the field like that's just the nature of the kicking position like you're either you're going to be a folk hero because people love you so much because you don't miss or you're going to be the most hated player on the team because you can't consistently make a kick. So, yeah, I think I think Jonathan Garibay is a sneaky good answer. You're right, though. Like, left guard, Tyler Smith, like the slow and steady thing. I hear much. It's the tweets from you guys at Oxnard after Garibay has uh, gone, you know, seven for 11. And I'm like, okay, what hash? Like, those are the ones that, like, get your attention a little more than, oh, Tyler Smith had a good day today. No, I'm going to say this right now. I've already been thinking about this. Now, there's going to be plenty of tweets coming from the one-on-one drills where Tyler Smith is going against, name it. It could be Sam Williams. It could oh, be uh, Tank. It could be, no, I'm talking about in the, I'm talking about just in the regular training camp thing when they break oh, down yeah. and they do their one-on-one drills where, you know, you're on an island by yourself and someone's going to blow by them, Tank, whoever, like I said, and those are going to get a lot of traction. Like this is the first round pick. Oh wow, Which, great! You're you're totally right. I you're you're a hundred percent right. And yeah, all it's going to take. And J- the funny thing, John, is like you and I are the culprits because 
we're the ones that film posting videos. <laughs> we film every rep of camp. So like one of us is going to get a video of Tyler Smith getting dumped on his ass. <laughs> and 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 he could have had a great day or a great week, but we're going to post that video and you know, SB Nation's going to have it and every it's going to be all over Twitter. We're going to ruin this poor kid's week. And then uh, the flip side is that is that he'll have an awful practice, but there'll be one rep where like he holds his own against Tank and it'll be like Look at this guy. This is the left tackle. This is yeah. your left tackle. Just get him ready. Right. What a steal. You know, uh, I love training because he one is pick, one pick he, of Dak looking a little chubby and then all the attention will go to that. You know? Actually, you know, it's kind of funny speaking of the Dak thing in training camp. I thought about that a lot when I saw a lot of those highlights from that LeBron James Drew League thing, because that Drew League that LeBron had all these highlights from is very similar to quarterback at training camp. Like, Okay, no one's going to really body LeBron James. I'm sure those guys were told before, don't touch him because he's going to get hurt. Now, there can be stuff that happens, steals, turnovers, stuff like Obviously, you can miss wide open shots. But it's like that for quarterback, too. Like, you can get beat off the edge right and left. And and as much as Lawrence wants to hit Dak or Sam Williams wants to hit Dak to have this big – they can't touch the court. There's only so much you can do. You know, yeah, he can throw interceptions and things like that. But, like, you're not going to see sacks and – uh, quarterback hits and stuff like that. So it's like as much as you want to buy into it, it's not really real football. Yeah. No, I didn't. So, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Katie. No, go ahead, Dave. You're good. Go ahead. No, I just like just to go back to the previous point, it just it cracks me up to think about because, okay, perfect point is like Connor Williams got flagged like 12 times for holding last year, right? Like that's that's how much you have to be getting flagged for the average fan to really be talking about left guard. Like otherwise it's just like, Oh yeah, they ran the ball great. Or, Oh, maybe they didn't run the ball so well. Like you really have to stand out in a bad way for people to be talking about guards and centers and stuff like that. Whereas again, like God, I can just imagine Garibay hitting like a 44 yarder in the fourth quarter of some game. And like, you know, he's on Brad Sham's radio show the next day. And like, you know, some, some mattress company in Dallas wants to get him on a commercial or some stupid crap like that. Like that's just, that's the fun stuff that happens with kickers. Not so much with offensive linemen. It, it is though a fan base that's starving for good kicking because this entire fan base went into last year, knowing how big of a question mark that Greg Zerline was. It was talked about a ton. It's, right? it's been a it's ironic, like ever since they cut Dan, it's kind of been a disaster or at least a roller coaster ride. So I can't wait. Can't wait to see what what the next two months hold for the kicker position. Number 15 offseason type question here. If you were the Cowboys GM and none of us are and you could sign Dalton Schultz to a four year deal that would pay him 11 million per season. OK, so 22 million guaranteed. Four years, $44 million, 22, half of it guaranteed. Would you do it? 54% of the responses said no. 46% said yes. I was in the camp, because I did the survey too, I took it. Uh, I was in the camp that said (laughs) no. Um, Although I think if you lay out your assets for another roster and you throw that at me, it might be a little different. But for this roster, I, I said no. Um, yeah, and the way I set it up was on purpose that he's going to get more money than that. I wanted yeah. to set the bar really low because yeah. I, I have a good feeling where the fan base was going to be on that. But he's getting more money than that. It might not be from the Cowboys, but he'll get it from somebody. And mm-hmm. so I just thought it was interesting that over 50 percent still said no to that. And it's like, well, <laughs> then it looks like that you want to move on. 
Yeah, I think I mean I'm I I pulled up. I'm just looking at the numbers. I mean, 11 million. That like he would be he would just be hovering around the bottom of the top 5 in like all of the important categories. So in yeah. So the short answer is yes, I would absolutely do that deal because he's worth way more than that as a free agent and like the way you win at signing guys to the way you win as a front office is to not set the market and like not tie yourself to a deal you can't get out of. If it's only 22 million in guarantees, obviously this is a fake fictitious contract, but like odds are you can get out of that after two seasons anyway, which yeah, I, I, I don't, I wouldn't even really think that hard about it. I'd be like, sure. If you're willing to lock yourself in as the number six tight end in the league right now, and you will very quickly be passed by guys that are coming up soon. Like, yeah, let's let's just get this out of the way. That sounds great. It'll be really interesting to see what they get out of McCune and Ferguson this year because I think a lot of people are ready to move on and just give it to the reins to the next guy. The problem is that tight end is such a thin position in the NFL, and Ferguson could end up being the next Dalton Schultz. But let's remember, Dalton Schultz wasn't the Dalton Schultz that he is now. For It took him a couple of years, and I'm, there's no guarantee McCune's going to be like that. I love that you said it that way, because Jake Ferguson could absolutely be the next Dalton Schultz, and it took Dalton Schultz till his third season before anybody even wanted him around. Like people were like, well, this was a waste of a fourth round pick. This guy is trash. Like he can't get on the field. He misses his, he messes up his special teams assignments. He had, like, I think he had, he had like 10 catches through his first two seasons or something. Like, it, I mean, it was just an like awful, awful number. Um, yeah. It's really hard to adapt to tight end in the NFL, unless you're a super freak, like a Kyle Pitts or, or maybe a TJ Hawkinson, like guys that can do it quickly tend to go early. Um, I remember I like three, I remember I remember like three or four years ago uh, after a Jason Garrett press conference. I remember a walk off uh, that we had over by like the trophies in the atrium over there where uh, I remember him talking about this for a while about how he's like, man, there's just it's hard to find a good tight end right out of college because it's going to take these guys time because they're not doing the stuff in college nowadays that you're going to be doing in the pros. So there's a lot of aspects to tight end that they're going to have to either you get a really good blocker who you can't trust him at all in the passing game, or you get a guy that's a really good athlete who's almost like a wide receiver type, and he can't do anything as a blocker. And so it takes a while to bring that player along, because that's my thing. Is like If you move on from Schultz, then what is your, what's the next thing? Are you just stepping in and, and going, McCune, F- Ferguson, here you go. You guys have the reins. Like They're going to have to show you something this year if you're going to be willing to do that. And I, I don't think there's any guarantee. And when I say show you something, I mean like, you're going to see some production. It can't just be, hey, they're really good on special teams. Okay, as a blocker, like the Cowboys like to use t- two tight ends. They're going to have to get something out of, out of one of those two guys for you to feel comfortable. Hey, we're moving on because here's the other thing in the cycle. If you just move on, then what are you doing? Sign another guy in, in free agency? Because again, yeah. just drafting a guy in next year's draft would be like, no, 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 we're just going to go get this guy. Like who? who? Who are you going to go get? Which is when you said the number, 22 million guaranteed, that sealed the deal for me because... I really think it's a it's a very decent likelihood that they tag Schultz again. And so the number I don't know it off the top of my head, but the number would probably jump to like 12.8 or 13 yeah, or something like, 13, like that. Yeah. So now you're paying 25 over 2 years. So I'm guaranteeing you that you'll save 3 million dollars against the cap by just getting this deal done. And that's yeah, it's funny. I mean, and I'm not trying to convince anybody Dalton Schultz is the best tight end in the league. I don't even think he's like top 3 or top 4, but uh, it's hard to find those types of guys. He's only 26 years old. It's well, compl- it, it's completely reasonable to think he'll get better. Like I just it, think people are more down on him than they need to be. 
Yeah, and he might be more important here than somewhere else too, right? One of those deals where you go somewhere else and you don't put up near the production that you put up here. Or maybe the offense needs to be a little more explosive and things like that, and maybe you're not relying on chairs. But that's what I was thinking. Uh, Number 11, (laughs) I want to go back here. Which player's departure will be the toughest to replace? Amari Cooper, Randy Gregory, Lyle Collins, Cedric Wilson. Your winner is Amari Cooper, 50%. His production will be the toughest to replace. Uh, I mean, I think that's the chalk right there. And and second's Randy Gregory, and I think that makes sense. I did circle Lyle Collins. I don't remember what I put in as my response, but that's the one that concerns me the most. And that's kind of a tie-in with another question on there of what position concerns you the most. And the position was, I mean, position group was the offensive line. That's what the entire, you know, fan base said when they answered there. That was by far and away offensive line. So the Lyle Collins thing does bother me. I mean, it's all contingent on Terrence Steele, right? So that's a lot of eggs to put in the Terrence Steele basket. So, um, and maybe it's a lot of egg, uh, eggs to put in the Joe Philbin basket when you look at it that way. I, but I, Terrence I, Steele, man, you're on chapter five for, for in my book. Terrence Steele is not even close to being my biggest worries with that, with that Lyle Collins situation. It's you don't know what you have in Josh Ball. You don't know what you have in Matt Willetsko. You really don't know what you have. And again, I'm just talking, like, I think Tyler Smith can be a really good player. But again, to be good right away, you really don't know if yeah. that's going to happen. You don't feel great about Tyler Biotish. So there's like this trickle down where it's like, again, if you're just putting Tyler Smith or you're just putting in Terrence Steele with Travis Frederick, Zach Martin, Tyron Smith in their prime, you're like, yeah, hey, there's going to be some growing pains, but we can work. It's like the whole thing outside of Zach Martin is highly questionable. That's why I think Lyle Collins has to fit in there because, yeah, you know, there's obviously there's some reasons that why they moved on from him that, but what you have in terms of your depth and even some of your starters on the offensive line, there's no question it's got to be your biggest area of concern. Shameless plug for my own work, but I actually, I wrote, I wrote a thing for foxsports.com like this week about, you know, these are just, these are the handful of spots that I really don't understand what they're doing. And it really gives me a lot of pause heading into the training camp. And my top two were offensive tackle and wide receiver. And I know we, I came on here a week or two ago and we did this already, but like, I just, I don't understand why they think they're okay. Like they're literally just like, well, and, and like, it's very obvious at this point, like Lyle Collins didn't mesh. Like they, they wanted him out of their offensive line room. That's I, I haven't been told that, but I just tend to think that. And the same thing for Amari Cooper. I have heard that like that. I mean, that's, you know, personality fit and all that stuff they were ready to move on and get a different type of player. But like, it's wild to me that they're like, well, this, this guy's a 27 year old receiver. He's probably one of the 10 or 12 best in the league. He's been to four pro bowlers. We're going to trade him. Uh, We're not going to do a ton to replace him. I mean, yeah, we're going to draft like this third round pick, but again, like you can just go look at Michael Gallup's career and like, see what he did as a rookie to get an idea of what a third round pick is going to do. Oh, and we're also, we're going to cut our, long time like 80 game starter at right tackle never been to a pro bowl but like has played at a high level for the majority of his nfl career and and we're definitely not going to do anything about that like we're going to draft this kid who we want to play guard and then like you know these two guys who've never played in the nfl can probably do it like yeah i mean we're not even going to get a veteran swing tackle like this kid who was playing fcs last year 
and this other kid who sprained his ankle and didn't play in the regular season last year, like they got it, man, we're good. Uh-uh. And like, I, it's, it's baffling to me that that's their strategy. I like, I keep waiting. I'm like, you know, I, I was on vacation when they signed Malik Jefferson, but I heard that they signed somebody and I was like, Oh, I bet they got a tackler or a receiver. And it, and I, when I heard it was a linebacker, I was like, I guess man. Okay. Yeah. When yeah. Uh, the only, the only thing I could point to, going into OTAs and minicamp for them not to do that stuff is I'm like, Oh, you know what? They must feel really good about this off season that Josh balls had, because again, that's how basically Terrence Steele got elevated. It was this, he had a great off season, uh, a year ago, you know, he was basically hanging out with Zach Martin the entire time doing everything. He was like a sponge, uh, added a lot of good weight, added a lot of good strength. And you seen him take some steps last year to where you're like, oh, okay, I can say but I haven't heard anything about Josh Ball like that. You know, we get out to OTAs and minicamp. He's the backup right tackle. He's not even the backup left tackle. So I just find it hard to believe that they're just like so sold on, oh, no, no, no. If we need it, Ball can do it. Like it just, there's just right. a lot of like, I don't know, man. There's just like a lot of projecting too. Again, Josh Ball, Matt Letzko, Tyler Smith. These guys could all be really good offensive linemen. Maybe one of them's the next David Bakhtiari. But like right away you need one of them to be at least one of them to be really good immediately and that just seems like asking a lot i uh, completely and uh, yeah like i'm i'm not trying to sour anybody on the idea that any of them can be good players they have still they've combined for zero regular season snaps in the nfl and it's crazy to me that that is your contingency plan when you know for a fact that Tyron Smith has missed like 40% of his possible yeah. starts over the last like six years. Is, is I, there a 36 year old Ty Naseki gets a phone call if they get in a bind? Is that what we're that's that, I, I did a bad job of articulating it, but that's like, I'm just sitting around waiting for that day. And maybe, you know, they're yeah. going to give, they're going to give these guys a chance. I think that's, what's going to happen is like, they're going to give these guys a chance. And if they look completely in over their heads by, you know, by the time Labor Day is getting close, <laughs> like, hey, hey, Ty, Ty, you still in Dallas? Like, you, you yeah. still live in Dallas, right? You want to make $800,000 this year? Well, and it, every team's going to cut 35 guys, right? So, I mean, right. so, I mean we're going to you're going to get a point where you have some some scrap heaps from uh, from other team after cut day. Uh, I just, but it, I, I just don't it think just it's right very, that hey, well, yeah, I don't like the passing it down. I don't like, like oh, that. Know, we'll, we'll handle it when we get there. You know, I don't I, like that. I, I don't like that neither of you even mentioned Isaac Alarcon yet. So I think it's a little disrespectful. Okay, I want to try the cake. Actually, he's a he's a guard now. By the way, sorry anybody that's yeah. out there, he's not playing yeah. tackle anymore. Dang it! Well, uh, uh, which position on the offensive line makes you the most nervous? The whole uh, cr- uh, crowd, center thirty five percent, twenty five percent at left tackle. That's got to be just strictly injury related, right? With Tyron, yeah, twenty and that forty niners game at right tackle, and then yeah, left guard nineteen percent. I mean, look, it's it's definitely bad if you get to camp in the first two weeks, and we are talking about Connor McGovern might be have the edge on Tyler Smith. That would not be great. Shouldn't and, and it Tyler, be time though? Shouldn't it be time that it, you get something out of Connor McGovern? I mean, seriously, this isn't like this was yeah. like. I mean, this is a third round pick that. I thought was going to, I mean, I remember talking to him after he was drafted. He thought because he had always started every year, even as a true freshman at Penn state, I was like, Oh, this guy's going to eventually work in the, in the lineup. He's going to, he just ha- it seemed like he had like the it factor. He's going to get in there somewhere. He's going to find a spot for him. And it's just such an 
average at best offensive line. That's like, if he's not getting out there against these guys, like, man, how bad is it? It's wild to think that like, you know, we spent so many years watching Tyron Travis and Zach, like walk out to practice together. And even like, not that Joe Looney was ever on that level, but like he was a long time NFL starter. Like he'd been around the block. He, he, you know, he, you could trust him to do his job fairly well. Again, Lyle, Lyle Collins, longtime starter. And now you look at it and like right guard, right guard is the only position on the entire line where you're just like, yeah, I, I feel pretty good about that. Cause you're asking a rookie and a guy who hasn't been able to do it at left guard. You feel okay about Terrence Steele, but I don't think he's earned the benefit of the doubt where you're just like, yeah, we're set there. We're good. Yeah. Tyron Smith, unfortunately for him, just has had these recurring injury issues. And uh, and I don't think anybody's 100% sold that Tyler Biotish is a long-term answer. So it's just crazy how quickly that type of stuff happens where you're like, wow, four out of the five positions on the offensive line could be potential problems. Is, is Farino the, the backup center or is that yeah. Connor McGovern? Uh, Far, Farniak. Um, Farniak, sorry. Tough he's line. a backup center. Yeah, he's he's been working at center. So And okay. I, I think... They they want him to push Tyler. I haven't seen enough of him playing center to know if I think that he will. But yeah, he's. Oh, I think they're fine with uh, Alec Lundstrom pushing him. I mean, if there's somebody that good, they um, think they can put out they, there, they'll, they'll try and do it. They actually uh, they have the other one too, um, James Impey. They actually like right. they wound up with two of the better centers in the draft class in undrafted free agency. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on. And one it other thing for the record on this. Uh, I want to state my belief on this is I do sound negative about how I feel about the offensive line uh, because I am, because it just, there's a lot of question marks for this season, but for the record, what they're doing right now, I believe is the way that you build your offensive line. I don't believe that you need to do what we need. First round pick after first round pick after first round pick. I'm trying to get some Micah Parsons, Trayvon Diggs in the first round. I'm trying to add some pieces on my defense and things like that. I mean, they have like, David just said, he mentioned about all those guys walking out, having that on the offensive line. Like, did that get them to the NFC Championship game? Did that get them to the Super Bowl? You can't draft any better on the offensive line than that. I'm just saying for a team that does not go out and spend much money in free agency or do much trades outside of the building, when you're just draft and develop, like, I'm fine with, yeah, you know, we'll spend our first round pick on a left tackle and maybe one other spot. But you got to find two or three guys, you know, like like they did in Green Bay, seriously, like that's the way it's got to be done. Like you, you got to find a way to get some guys. You're just like, yeah, man, it's kind of crazy. We found this guy in the fourth round. He's a starter for us. Is he going to go to the Pro Bowl? No, but we also don't have to worry about him. He's a solid guy. We don't have to break the bank to keep him and stuff like that. And then you just keep going through that and then find the next guy. And then you move on and stuff like that. So I, the way that they're building it, the what McCarthy has brought over, like I do believe that I, I like that yeah. way more. It just this year is just really that's really rough for that transition. My overarching feeling about this franchise, this organization right now is like. I kind of dig their long term. I dig what I think the long term plan is, honestly, (laughs) like I feel good about the long term outlook on the offensive line. I feel good about the long term big picture of the receiver core. Dak's not going anywhere you can you can sort out the mess at your running back position before too much longer uh so like in the big big picture i feel pretty good about where they're heading but in 2022 i just don't think that they're a contender 
between that stuff, the offensive line, what you're talking about, the where they're heading there, clearly on the defense and all that, the the change in philosophy, even though it didn't work out with Mike Nolan, now with Dan Quinn being more multiple, uh, allowing Micah Parsons to do a lot of different things. Those are all things that Mike McCarthy deserves credit for. Absolutely. I mean, and, and yes. it might not work out. This might be his last season, but that is something that he clearly brought over that was different from the previous regime. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply uh I, dave brought up the running back mess so i, I was going to skip this one but we should just do it real quick who will finish with more combined rushing and receiving yards as a whole tony pollard or ezekiel elliott the fan base chimes in with i think maybe who well, i don't know i don't want to speak for them tony pollard 50 will round up 52 percent uh, ezekiel elliott will round down 48 percent so Tony Pollard will have more combined rushing and receiving yards. Man, it I, I think it will be within 200 yards of each other. I do think it'll be tight. I just, they're going to have to prove it before I'm putting my, my yeah. money on Tony Pollard there. They're just going to have to prove it. You're being nice, KT. 52% of the fan base is thinking wishfully. I'm sorry. Or or they think Zeke's going to get hurt, which is possible. He got hurt last year. He's got a lot of tread on his tires, but like, if he's healthy, I'm telling you, Tony Pollard is going to have a role. He absolutely is. He has the entire time that he's been here. But like, if Zeke's healthy, he's going to get the majority of the workload. And yeah, like Tony will probably finish with more receiving yards than him. But like, Zeke's going to flirt with a thousand or go over a thousand. And then he's going to have, you know, 200, 250, 300 receiving yards. Like, Zeke will win this as long as he's healthy. And I, yeah, I completely have to see it to believe anything else. Uh, over to, are you, you got something on that John or do you mean? No, go ahead. 
Which linebacker will play more defensive snaps, Leighton Vander Esch or LSU's Jabril Cox? I mean, I think 50. it's Leighton. As long as he, as long as Leighton's healthy, I think it's going to be Leighton, just because they probably trust him a little bit more. Um, and Jabril Cox is coming off of, of a serious knee injury. Like I think Jabril Cox is going to be their guy next season, and I think he has a higher upside, and I think he fits perfectly with what the NFL is nowadays and where the NFL is going. It just, I don't know, man, anytime people are coming off injuries like that, it's hard for me just to think like, yeah, but you know, the advancements and the surgical technology, it'll be fine. He can come back and play right away. It's like, and I feel the same way about Gallup too. Like just to assume that, oh no, no, he'll be fine and get past it. Like I do think your careers can get back there. Um, one of the examples I, I use when I'm just talking sports with friends is like, yes, the, the Warriors won the championship this year. And Clay Thompson played pretty well, but you cannot tell me that you thought Clay Thompson this entire postseason was the Clay Thompson he was before those injuries. Like it, and I do think Clay Thompson will get back to that, but it just takes like a little bit of time. Now, Clay Thompson was good enough to be out there, and he was on the court a ton, and, and he was a major factor in it. But he was not the same Clay Thompson he was before those injuries. So it takes guys a little bit of time. We can use Dak Prescott as an example. Like I think Dak Prescott's going to be a lot better this year than he was last year. Another year away from that, there were things last year that limited him, and not just the running, the movement in the pocket. Like so, just to just assume that Jabril Cox is going to get back to being what he was before the injury, I I think he will, but I I don't know that it is right away. And Leighton Vanderesh is in a position where, you know, he seems very hungry to to prove that he deserves more snaps and. I, I don't know. I just, it's easy for me to bet that Leighton Vanderesh will be a bigger factor and make him or not be a bigger factor, but play more snaps this year. You talk about wishful thinking. Like again, I, everybody who knows me knows that I'm obnoxious about LSU. Love. I love Jabril Cox's story. He's a super nice guy transferred to LSU from North Dakota state. Cause he wanted a bigger challenge. He was the only, like he was one of like, two good players on just a sorry LSU team. Like he was like the only guy out there who looked like he gave a damn. Uh, and then he has a season cut short last year. Like I'm rooting like hell for him to come on like gangbusters. But I agree with everything John just said. I mean, it's easy to forget. Like he was such a hyped prospect. Like people were so excited about the Cowboys getting him at a bargain rate in the fourth round. Like he, he played like 40 defensive snaps last year. He finished with two tackles. Like yeah. you talk, you talk to some people about him and, and you would swear that he was like on pace for a hundred tackles before he got hurt. And it's like, no, not quite. Like we don't know for sure what he is yet. And Leighton Vander Esch is a what fifth, sixth year veteran at this point. He's been through the wars. Um, yeah. I mean, nobody would be more excited than me if Jabril Cox does play more snaps, but I would, I would bet on Vander Esch. Uh, I want to go back to the running back thing real quick, just because I put these in my notes last week and I completely forgot to bring it up when we were talking about running backs, but I've had this sitting in my notes for a while. The Vegas odds came out on some of this stuff. Well, over under fun. Okay. Tony Pollard rushing and receiving yards over under a thousand yards, rushing and receiving combined over under a thousand yards. Oh, combined. Yeah. Over. Oh, you're at. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. I I think it'd be like 12, 1300. Okay. Yeah, Zeke I mean, over under 900 yards. Vegas set Zeke's number lower than Tony's? Yes. By 100 I mean, yards. Well, I don't think Vegas. Zeke's going to be a major factor in the passing game. And I think that Tony's going to see more in there. Uh, so that's the only reason why I say that. But in terms of just rush yards, then yeah, I, I think Zeke leads the team in rushing. Um, 
See, I oh, think. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I had a mistake on that. Ezekiel Elliott rushing yards. Yeah. Over oh. under 900. Okay. Yeah. No, I saw the thing that you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think 900 is about right for him in, in rushing yards. But for the Tony Pollard, I like the Tony Pollard bet better myself. The going over, uh, rushing and receiving over, uh, what would you say? Is it 1,050? Uh, rushing and receiving? Yeah. Just 1,000. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think he gets like 12, 1,300 yards rushing and receiving. I agree. Um, but, to go to go back to what I said though, yeah, I I agree, but like I can imagine, I can imagine Tony having like seven hundred rushing, four hundred receiving, seven hundred yeah. rushing, five hundred receiving, and I completely I I see Zeke as long as he's healthy, I see Zeke at like a thousand, eleven hundred, and then throw two hundred fifty receiving yards on top of that. Yeah, I'll, I'll still take Zeke though. You know, the thing about about Zeke that I, I feel like doesn't get talked about a lot is is when he loses that explosiveness from his early years, early first two years in the league. Like it's not only the big runs that have clearly gone down, but it's he's not getting away from as many tackles, so he's taking more hits. I feel like, and yeah. it it increases his chance of injury when he doesn't have that home run potential. Whereas like with Tony Pollard, there's not, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of like Tony Pollard, you know, hits and things like that. We're like, damn, do you see that? We're like Zeke every game. I feel like there's four or five, whether he's initiating it or it's somebody else coming after him. It just to be healthy for 17 games with those numbers like that. And, and, and I, and Hey, they're the Cowboys are in a good spot at running back. They really are because both those guys are super hungry. Both those guys know that this is your chance because uh, you're gonna, you're not gonna be on the team next year if you're Ezekiel Elliott if you don't put up big numbers. And Tony Pollard, uh, if you put up big enough numbers, you're gonna price yourself out of what the Cowboys can afford, and you're gonna make a ton of money on the free agent market. So there's plenty of motivation for both of them. Um, John's also got an article up, and it's on uh, players that just said, oh, all players need to have, you know, a camp. It's kind of like your important players. Um, oh, hey, real quick before we do that, KT. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to ask you guys. Um, so one of the questions in there was, if you could take one guy off of any other team in the NFL right now, who would you put on the Cowboys? Who would you guys pick? I I, I put, uh, when I wrote in, I was one of the 140 people who put uh, TJ Watt. <laughs> TJ Watt across from Demarcus Lawrence would be a lot of fun. Should have happened, but yeah. I mean, I, I just, I don't see any reason to overthink it. I mean, Aaron Donald, give me fricking Aaron Donald in the middle with Demarcus Lawrence and Micah Parsons and throw in like Dante Fowler for good measure. I mean, yeah, I'll, I'm fine with that. Or like, if that's not the right answer, then give me, give me the best offensive lineman. I don't know what, like who's, who's the best. Should I, I, should I go left tackle? I mean, obviously, Tyron, Tyron's injury issue is, is Quentin Nelson. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, throw. Yeah, let's just make the all Notre Dame interior offensive line. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I could live with Quentin Nelson. Trent too. Williams got the most votes of any of the offensive linemen at yeah, thirty. Uh, what about you, Kent? I was gonna say receiver. It surprises me that Debo was the number one receiver on the vote getting. Thought it would have been Devonte. Devonte. Slightly under him. That's just because Debo, really Debo. Debo was hanging out with Dak a month ago. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Debo's sexy because, you know, he can hand it to well, him. Well, and, and he also he wants I mean, out of San Francisco, too. I don't know. Maybe yeah. Cooper Cup, somebody like that. I would like. So there was 1,648 responses. 
like about 35 to 40 combined on these on these three players. Creed Humphrey, Jason Kelsey, and Corey Lindsley. So obviously it shows you how fans feel about Biotish. They yeah. want a center. But the idea that you could get any <laughs> player in the NFL – yeah. And you would go after this. I just, I don't know. I just, I was just like, come on. <laughs> that's that's what I'm saying is like, is, is defensive tackle the biggest issue on this team? No. Probably, yeah. Right. Probably not. But like, right. if you told me that I could make wave a magic wand and put Aaron Donald on this roster, I'd have to be crazy not to do it. Dude, the idea of Aaron Donald in the middle, just how much easier and better he would make things for Micah and Lawrence, Dorrance Armstrong, you know, Fowler, all those guys. Like, I just don't even think that there's any question. It's Aaron Donald, unless you're, you know, there's obviously these people on, you'll, you'll see on Twitter all the time that just are ready to move on from Dak and they don't like Dak. And so they would sure. say Mahomes or Rodgers or whatever. I don't feel that way. So to me, it was a no brainer to go with Aaron Donald. And then second would definitely be like KT said, TJ Watt. Yeah, there's a lot of fun doing that. And I'm glad you do that every summer, John. So thank you for the content. And you have another piece up. I'm going to call a hot route here. I'm going to go to something else because we're kind of talking about other players and where the Cowboys might fit in, though. Everyone go check out John's article about 10 guys who, you know, really need to have a strong training camp to help fill a role, whether that's um, someone that you might have forgotten, like a Dante Fowler, or maybe it's a, a backup tight end type, you know, something like that. Check that article out. I wrote this stuff down the other day as I was just thinking about – I really started because I was thinking about C.D. Lamb and about – you know, where you go, uh, how important it is for him to fill Amari Cooper's shoes, how much of the target share is he going to get, you know. You know, to me, if CeeDee Lamb is getting 30% of your touches, you know, or, or targets, I think that's a really good thing. So how far down the wide receiver food chain in the NFL until you get to CeeDee Lamb? I mean, I wrote down... And I, and I think I think your responses on the fan survey of like the people who wrote it because it was Debo Samuel, Devontae Adams. Do you have any other wide receiver entries on there outside of Debo and Devontae Adams? Oh, there were definitely Cooper Cups. I just put in the top ten, but no, there was Stephon definitely Diggs. Cooper Cups. Yeah, there was definitely Stefan Diggs in there. Uh, there were four or five Amari Coopers. Um, <laughs> there was uh, uh, oh, obviously Jamar Chase. Um, Justin Jefferson had a Justin lot of Justin Jefferson, too. yeah. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to sound hot take-ish here. Um, but I, I, I guess the reason I'm kind of posing the question is how many wide receivers until you get to CD lamb, what, you know, wide receiver ranking would he be? Mm-hmm. Um, that, again, I know it's a tough question. It's just like, I, I and I don't, uh, I always fear sounding like that's something that might, might be on one of those talking head shows. But well, like the tough part about wide receivers is just like, like we're going to find out a lot this season. It's going to be great. I can't wait to watch Devontae Adams with Derek Carr and Tyreek Hill with Tua because you're going to, you're going to see a lot. I mean, I mean, I think Devontae is amazing, but I mean, there's a ton of Packers games to get on TV. And after some of his touchdowns, I mean, it's not lost to me when I watch the replays where I'll be like, yeah, great route. How many quarterbacks are putting the ball right on the money the way Rodgers did there? Like, so is Devontae going to have a great year? Absolutely. But is he putting up the year that he did? I mean, Cooper Cup, he had other great years. But, like, obviously, once Stafford got there, things just, I mean, it was, you know, kerosene to a match. So who your quarterback is obviously matter. Um, so every that's why this stuff is so up and down, you know, like of where you're going to put him. So I hate to sit there and say, 
CD Lamb is 11th, but I don't know. I think it's fair to put him somewhere between 11 and 15. I don't think he's top 10 yet. I mean, he obviously can prove it this year, but I, I would, I don't know, probably around 11 to 15. Yeah. And, and I mean, there, there is no position in football that fluctuates as wildly from one year to the other as, as a uh, receiver does. And that it's tricky sure. too. Cause you're like, you know, how much do you weigh past production? You know, like, uh, how much does what happened two years ago matter or does it not matter at all? Is it purely about what you think of guys heading into this year? I think honestly, at the risk of sounding like a hater, I'd have him somewhere between 15 and 20 because okay. like I'm just I'm going down the list right now. I'm looking at guys where I'm like, yeah, Cooper Cup. Yes. Justin Jefferson. Yes. Jamar Chase. Yes. Debo Tyreek Stefan Diggs Tyler Lockett. Yes. DJ oh, Moore Tyler Lockett, huh? Mike okay. Evans. Again, like uh, just what Tyler Lockett has done in the NFL to this point and what I know he can be. Yeah, I, I, I mean, but I'm I not trying to. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, I'm sorry. I don't mean to cut you off. It's like this is almost framed around the projected step ahead that not only right. we're expecting, but, but 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 that this team really needs. Oh, but but I mean, I'm not going to rank him based on the hope that he does that. He hasn't done it yet. Yeah. And I mean, like I'm pulling up like Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett is like one of the more slept on players in this league. I mean, he's three straight years. He's gone over a thousand with. 25 touchdowns in the last three years. I mean, his not this year. Drew Locke. Yeah, look well, out, bitches. Yeah. Honestly, here's here's a take that Cowboy fans might not like. Again, in like maybe maybe CD Lamb is a better receiver, but just in terms of like the production that they've had with the cash that they've had around him, Terry McLaurin's done more than CD Lamb has to this point in his career. Absolutely, he has. Yeah, with way worse quarterback play. Um I yeah, think that I, changes, though. I, I mean, I think it's a clear emphasis. Again, I think it does, too. And if if you're asking me to forecast it, I think we will have a more I will have a more favorable read on C.D. Lamb when he's done playing this season. But where he is right now, uh, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, I think they're both better receivers than he is, or at least at least have done more to this point in their careers. Keenan Allen, Keenan Allen, for sure. Keenan Allen, again, is one of the more underrated receivers in this about, league. Um, AJ Brown too. I mean, we talked about Hopkins him. and Brown, DeAndre Hopkins. It, it's I mean, Hopkins. Hopkins, I feel like, no question, is better than I feel CD like Lamb. We've, yeah, and that that goes back to my point is like Hopkins gets hurt last year, and we know he's suspended this year, and all of a sudden, like nobody's even thinking about right. him as a great receiver, even though he's arguably been the best in the league for most of the last like five years. Give DeAndre Hopkins one full healthy season. Uh, with Aaron Rodgers, he's going over 2,000 yards. Absolutely. Um, yeah. uh, A.J. Brown, this is my only comparison on this. I don't see up to this point, this is why I would go with C.D. over A.J. Brown, I don't see any team trading C.D. Lamb up to this point. If if, yeah. if C.D. Lamb was with Tennessee, I don't think that they trade yeah. him. So there's got to be stuff, because that's the thing, like, yeah, everyone looks at it like A.J. Brown, you know, it's obviously a big get and stuff like that. There's got to be a reason why the team would trade you, too. There's always got to be something. Like, there's got to be a money, though, right? Was it that okay, money? Why wouldn't you pay him? You don't think that you don't think that a team would pay C.D. Lamb? C.D. Lamb's about to get paid. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. I do agree. And 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 for that matter, I actually, like, um, maybe this is a hot take, too. I'll take C.D. over D.K., and D.K. is about to get yeah. paid. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, D.K.'s very inconsistent. Right. Pittman. But that Seattle offense is very inconsistent, too. I so. think I would take CD over Pittman right now. I think, I mean, at this point oh, in my career, I, 
I think Amari Cooper is better than CD right now. That's why well, I was I, so. I, yeah. I mean, I, I think I, traits are in play too. I mean. Uh, yeah. No. And, and like I said, I mean, like I want, I want to be very clear. Like I'm not, I'm not down on CD. Like he's like, no, yeah. not this, not a good player. But again, like in terms of what he's done compared to other guys who are in similar positions, um, I don't I don't think he's on the same level as a lot of those guys. I would put him over I would put him over AJ Brown. I'd take C D over AJ Brown. Um so yeah, I'd slot him in somewhere between fifteen and twenty, and I'm very optimistic that that he will be much higher in our estimations by the time this season's over. Weirdly, it looks like Amari Cooper's quarterback might be Jacoby Brissett. So that kind of changes things. But I was hoping, you know, like a good quarterback to Amari Cooper and then a good quarterback to CeeDee Lamb and kind of comparing the numbers at the end of the year and kind of seeing how that sh- shook out. But then, uh, you know, uh, the Deshaun Watson thing. See, there's just, just something about Amari here. Thing. The one thing about Amari, though, is like I don't know that Amari even cares about like putting up the big numbers. And if you yeah. don't – it's hard to put that same guy in there with like some of these other guys that you're just like, no, it really matters to them. They want to lead the league in receiving guards and such. And like, I'm sure like, yeah, there's times where Mari talked about it, but I don't know that it's really like his burning desire to be that, you know, that type of receiver. I think he's fine being on a team where it's like, yeah, there's going to be another receiver that like, that's why I thought he was a good fit with what they had with Gallup and CD. Like, I don't know that he is, you know, like almost like what people would say, the typical receiver, like, you know, typical star receiver, I should say, like, give yeah. me the ball and, you know, and and, and 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 that could be part, and I think that's part of the reason he's no longer here. I, Dude, I, I love. I, oh, go ahead. No, no, Dave, start. go ahead, go ahead. I just I love the way, and like, there's no wrong way to do it, right? Like that, like you can be successful a dozen different types of ways, but like Amari got here eight, you know, six months after they left, they parted ways with Dez, and they were like, "Oh my God, isn't this such a breath of fresh air?" Like Amari's not a diva. You know what you're getting from him. He's not demanding the ball. He's not like he's not this off the charts like alpha personality that has to be placated all the time. And then when that wears thin and when you're not showing up in the fourth quarter of a of a big season, then it's like, oh, we just we need some dogs in here. Like we need some guys who want the ball. And it's like I feel like you can only go so far with any approach before it wears thin, regardless of what it is. It's really funny to see that. Like I've seen it every which way at this point in my career where every personality rubs thin on you eventually yeah. if you're not producing. I just think those are two very, very opposite sides of the spectrum. Is all more CD on that no, side. They, they are, for sure. They definitely are. CD's I mean, more in the middle. Like, sounds like he's just kind of balanced in the middle. Like yeah. Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Stephon Diggs. Like uh, Cooper Cup's not screaming Debo to get the like ball Tyreek or anything like, like that, but you know he wants it. Oh, yeah, and Devontae Adams is never really doing that. You don't see right. Cooper Cup doing it, but like I think but you do see that with Jamar Chase, and you do see that with Justin Jefferson, and you well, do see that with Stephon Diggs. I mean, let and those like, are I, the I receivers kind of, for the greatest kind of college that. offense that's ever played, you know. So I mean, we can't hold everybody to those lofty standards. So well, another guy that went there though that. too is like that too, uh, in Odell. You know, Odell <laughs> yeah. is, is like that too. So I I, I, I think this. It. This season's going to be this, this season's so interesting for CD cuz like we he ha, he hasn't had to like really um flex his personality. You know, he showed up, yeah. Amari Cooper was already on the team, Zeke's on the team, Gallup's on the team. He's he's not going to ruffle any feathers and like you've seen you've seen elements of his personality, you know, like he does the slime thing when he makes a big catch and he he waved at um 
at what's his name? Yeah, New England. Won, yeah, when he won the New England game. Uh, so like you, you see, you've seen elements of it, but he hasn't really needed to be that guy, and he does. He needs to be that guy now. And I, you know, it's it's certainly not a coincidence that he, they moved his locker next to Dak. I think Dak is Dak's working on him, making sure that he understands the moment or whatever. Not that he needs to have it explained to him, but you get my point. Um, so like how he how he rises to the occasion of being the guy is going to be really fun. Cause he just, he hasn't needed to be through the first two years. And they need him so much on this offense too, to be making big plays. And that's why you're going to see him all over a place in the slot on the outside. He's going to be taking those jet sweeps. They're going to be fine in all kinds of different ways to get in the ball because they need him now more than ever to step up and, and have, he has to be uh, one of the, he has to perform like one of the top 10 receivers yeah. in the league for this offense to have success. So uh, thank you for indulging me on that, guys. I thought that was just kind of a little interesting little thing to talk about. Um, um, so what are we, Will's up next week? When are you guys getting yep. out of here? Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the team heads out Monday. So, uh, yeah, I don't remember my timing right now, but I should be some – I should. oh, you're going early, aren't you, John? I'm going on Friday, yeah. Yeah, I'll be I'll be there sometime Monday, I believe. I yeah. should probably double check those details. Get out <laughs> of this 100, 110 probably. degree hell hole as fast as you can. <laughs> yes, I I cannot wait for an excuse to like wear sweatshirts and pants again. Uh, anything else we need to get to? Can are we good? We'll yeah, let's back, run down uh, the other position rankings. No, I'm just kidding. Go on. I mean, we can. We've hit our hour mark, but I'll, let's I'll talk away. Dak. What, where would, where you, would you rank him? Yeah, there we go. Let's save that. Let's just pocket that, you know? No, do it and right we'll, now. Let's cross the bridge, you know, uh, maybe maybe when you guys are out in California. You can get loud on the tennis well, I, We'll have Cowboys stuff to talk about then. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so you're say the number, KT. We'll say the number. Stuff. Say the number where you would rank him right I now. Did, and, I did this okay. list. Um, Don't couple, offer any explanation for here. another reason. <laughs> I had him as number eight. Uh, my head's telling me six through 10 somewhere. Let me just do this out loud. I, I, I actually had a running, a running back and tight end up there. So uh, in some order, the clear top three, Rodgers, Mahomes, or the clear top four, I guess, Rodgers, Mahomes, Josh Allen, and I think you still have to keep Tom Brady there. Now so, the youngsters. Jesus. Dude, yeah, the the young that's, that's the young how my guys top four was too. That was the young guys the make this really hard because like I and I I've argued about this a lot and obviously I freaking I love Joe Burrow of course I do but like are you, how high are you ready to vault him off of the strength of one season you know like yeah Joe and Matt Stafford are ahead now I would have fought you last year on Matt Stafford even mm. um, six. The Justin Herbert thing is interesting. I still think Justin Herbert, watching him, still a bunch of throws that he makes that I don't. Dak doesn't necessarily take that chance, and maybe the that's thing, a part the thing of, about the thing about Herbert and Stafford too. compared to Dak is that they're going to take some of those throws that are very dangerous. Um, yeah, but I also you also get the feeling that they're going to hit on more of those bigger plays too because of just basic arm talent that they have like Dak is an outstanding decision maker takes care of the ball and that but I I'm, I'm I definitely have Stafford ahead of him I would put Dak like probably around eight to ten I'm I'm sticking I'm, I'm putting Dak ahead of Russell Wilson this is not based on accolades so I wear yeah. right now and, and Russell Wilson may have a bounce back here in Denver I think I when I get to Dak the group I'm in is like Lamar Jackson 
right? Kyler Murray. Yep. You know, and that's where you yeah. kind of And they're all, going. they're all like, they all offer something, a different positive and then different negatives, but it's yeah. hard to really differentiate where they are because a lot of the questions about all of them are the very same thing. It's like, can they finally put it over, put their team over the top and lead them to like playoff success and that? And it's just like, I know it sucks to put that much on like a quarterback, but they are clearly the most important player in the franchise. That's why they get paid the way that they do. They clearly set the tone for the rest of the franchise that they're on. And so because of that, the postseason success kind of is what factors in there. That for me, that's why I put Stafford ahead of Dak. I used to always have Stafford right in that same group with Dak, but because of what he just did, I have to I I I think he's clearly above Dak right now. But now let's say Dak goes on a run or something like that. I could see putting Dak over him. But and and also what's his, uh Deshaun Watson's in that category too. I think Deshaun Watson talent wise has I mean top five talent, but obviously he has a, a ton of other things he's dealing with and things like Man. that. So um you know, and then who knows how it works out in Cleveland, but he's in there too. But I don't know. It's not cut and dry, but I, I, what's the lowest that you could see ranking Dak? I think 10. Yeah. I don't think, I don't, it, fall, I don't think I don't he falls out of the you, top 10. I don't know how you push him out of the 10. The way I like the way I do this is kind of like cheating because I just, just there's there's so many great quarterbacks yeah. in the NFL right now. Like, yeah. how do you how do you really separate them? Right. So the way that I I just cheat and say, OK, there's X amount that are clearly better than everybody else. And I'll th- I'll say Rodgers, Brady, Mahomes, um Josh Allen and and because of what he did last year I'll even throw Stafford in there. I think you say those 5 are clearly a lot better than everybody. If you want to throw Lamar Jackson in there, you totally can. We'll all right, we'll even do that. We'll say there's 6 that are definitively doing it better than everybody else. And then I think Dak is part of this cluster of other guys like Dak, Herbert, Burrow, uh, Kyler. Yeah, all the they're just kind of Derek in a car, jungle. maybe Derek Carr. Yeah, have throw, his no, way I mean, in Derek, Derek Carr deserves to be in that list. Um, hey, and, and again, with all those guys, like there is a part of me with the with the Russell Wilson thing where like. Why would you trade him? Like, there's just no way you would trade Dak. Now, obviously, the Lions traded Stafford, but that's because Stafford wanted it. was like, hey, can you guys do me a solid here and, like, let me play for a good team? But, like... Please if, don't ruin what's left of my career. Yeah, but, like, Russell Wilson, like, are you parting ways with him unless, I mean, you kind of yeah. thought, like, hey, you know what? He might yeah. be taking a step back here. It just... No, and uh, again... They're tanking, right? Like... They're tanking, right? Are they they're either tanking or are they trading for Jimmy Garoppolo? Like, what are they doing? They're not no. running Drew Locke out there. They're not. No, doing they, that. they are. They are, but they're, they're tanking. What they're what they're doing is placating Pete Carroll because they're like, "Fine, Pete, we can run the ball five thousand times this year. Like, we'll just run it every down for the whole season." Well, then and do they it with might, Jimmy Garoppolo and give your team a chance. People. Yeah, I. But like, kind of going it's, back to the receiver <laughs> thing, it's. It is funny, like it's so it's so recency based, like because Russell Wilson was hurt last year, looked awful, probably the worst season of his career. We're not really talking about him like we just did this whole argument about quarterback rankings without really mentioning him. And now he's on a nice roster. I mean, he he is set up to succeed yeah. if, if they don't win then it's a huge indictment on where he is in his career. And then that if ESPN they do, exec ranking thing had him at eight. Eight. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so top, top so, 25 you know, if, for that's what you're going to be top quarter. Yeah, that's good. If Denver wins 10 to 13 games this year, then all of a sudden you're like, ah, Russ never fell off. He's, 
he's right up there with all with the best of them, and then it kind of changes everything. So it's effing wild to me that Marcus Mariota, Mitch Trubisky, Drew Locke, and whatever ends up happening, Jacoby Brissett, and whatever ends up happening in San Francisco, I, it'll be Trey Lance. They're going to do something with Jimmy Garoppolo. It's just effing wild to me that those guys are starting quarterbacks. Like, I cannot believe that Marcus Mariota is going to get to start and that Mitch Trubisky is going to get to start. So whenever you yeah. bitch about Dak, my God, it just kind of take the, a like, quick look around and you go, it, good Lord. It's kind of like the tight end thing with Schultz. I just... There just aren't a lot of good ones out there, man. That's why, and that's another reason yeah. why they get paid so well. It just the NFL has always been like that. Because you sit, you sit there and say, like, I can't believe this guy's a starting quarterback. I can't believe that guy's a starting quarterback. I can't believe this guy's a starting quarterback. Is that was there been a, ever been a better time in the NFL for quarterbacks? Like when you talk one through thirty-two, like I would be hard pressed to sit, find another time where there yeah. were one through thirty-two better quarterbacks than there are now. That's Which fair. And that's guy. I mean, they get paid well, so I don't feel sorry for them. But like, kind of going back to my thing about, you know, there's only ever four to six that are definitively better than everybody. You're either one of those like five teams where everyone agrees that you've got the guy, and then even again, like Kyler is off to an amazing start. Dak has had an objectively great career. Even like people are arguing about whether Lamar Jackson should be paid. Like, if you are not one of those like four dudes who cannot be questioned, then you will have people that want you off their team. And that like, that's the realm that Dak lives in right now. That's where Kyler is. That's where, I mean, yeah, like like if it's hard as hell entering that class of quarterback where like everyone agrees that that you're good. Okay. We should probably get out of here at this point. Can I, can I uh, recommend a TV show for you guys real quick? HBO, HBO, the show, it's only one episode is aired, so it's easy to catch up. Well, it's it'll drop Fielder. on episode two or drop on Friday. The rehearsal. Yeah, I knew it. Oh, God. Did you do it, Kent? Oh, yeah. I'm big Nathan. Was guy. your mind blown? I've been trying to tell you guys to. Isn't he get like. Nathan. No, I, I've never watched Nathan for you, but isn't oh, he. Big mistake. Isn't he one of those guys that just like thrives off of making everything as awkward as possible for everyone? Uh, no, I mean, that's part of it, but he's all about doing like outlandish bits. Like why, like things like how and why would anyone ever do this? John John knows that I'm like easily embarrassed. Like, am I just going to want to hide behind my couch while this show is on? Cause I, he doesn't really play. It doesn't seem like he plays the character and Nathan for you. He was purposefully like bashful and awkward with people. And that was part of it. Part of it. I think now he's just, uh, He's taken just like the business concept that he had with that show, and he's just going towards that now and throwing throwing the personality out the window. This so. this feels more real than Nathan right, for you, yeah, and maybe it's like just because it's, it's on life. HBO. And Nathan for you is on Comedy Central. Like this is on HBO. I'm just telling you, watch the first episode, and if you want to duck out, you can. But it's 45 yeah. minutes, okay. and it's smart, but also kind of creepy and a little f- kind of funny. And a little unpredictable, but after the forty-five minutes, after you've watched it, you're going to go, "Holy shit!" About that midway was good. through, my jaw dropped. I was like, "How?" Yeah. I just was like, "How?" I know. <laughs> I'm intrigued. I would suggest that people watch the offer, and it's on Paramount Plus. And there's not a lot on Paramount Plus, but the offer is very good. It's the uh, offer? offer, yeah. It's got a uh, Miles Teller in office. It's got my. <laughs> it's got Miles Teller in it. It's like all about like the behind the scenes of how they ended up making the Godfather. It's really good. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. That's the one that the cannibal guy got fired from, isn't it? 
Okay. Isn't he supposed to be Miles Teller? Army Hammer. Yeah. I should he's probably uh, watch a, uh, selling uh, selling time. Airbnb. Uh, I was gonna say he's like a leasing agent in the Cayman yeah. Islands now. Yeah, I saw that too. <laughs> yeah. All right, there's your army. So I should talk. watch The Godfather first, or no? Oh no no no! You should watch this and then. Oh, you've never seen The Godfather? KT, no. you oh, being yeah, like you Mister, you're like Mister Pop. Yeah, I was gonna say, man, that's you've never seen The Godfather. Are any of you guys caught up on Break? Uh, Better Call Saul. Hell yeah. Okay, that's about to end. So I well, have try and get to it before um, the next um, couple of weeks. I haven't even finished Breaking Bad. So that's what is your oh, deal, man? That's, dude, I'm I'm John. will tell you, like I'm bad at watching TV. Uh, no. That's still second place right now to that. KT's never seen The Godfather. No, well, yeah, dude, I, I mean, have, I have narcolepsy. It's hard for me to sit down and watch something straight for three hours. Except football, which I love doing. I'm so not you can come back to it. I'm not big on like I I don't like to shame people for not seeing things because like at the end of the day, who cares? It's just a freaking movie, but. The Godfather is like the like quintessential American film. Like it is like the movie that probably everyone should see. Okay. And if people like you wouldn't have been telling me that for 30 years, maybe I would want to watch it. But <laughs> when everyone's totally, telling you something's no. awesome, you're like, okay, whatever. You guys no, that's have totally fair. That. And it, that, that's kind of my point is like, yeah, I, I don't like being that guy that's like, oh, my God, you have to watch it. Hey, no, you no, guys the Godfather guess, is kind of like that. I mean, it's pretty I much Godfather, Forrest Gump. Shawshank Redemption, Wizard of Oz. I mean, it's not that hard to have like. I'm mainly, I'm mainly just surprised that the guy who like you know does his own top 100 albums of the century and all that type of shit. That's why I'm surprised too. I would expect you to like have gone through like Rolling Stone's top 100 movies of all time and like watch all Kent too. Yeah, yeah. I've done the AFI list. I haven't done. I've done those 100. Kent, what is the most popular movie that you have never seen? Most popular movie I've never seen. I hadn't seen Harry Potter until like a couple years ago. We did it. A, we but did up a till whole today, series on our podcast on it. Up till today, oh yeah, man, that's probably tough. Like I'm talking, uh, you Devil Wears out. Prada. Never seen that one. Okay. Saw that one the other day pop up. I was like, <laughs> I still haven't, still haven't seen Devil. But like even Devil like Prada, <laughs> even like the old like the Casablanca, the Gone with the Wind. You've seen all that. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Film school. Yeah, yeah. Do that to you. No, so I figured. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I made it my mission in life to never see Avatar or know anything about it. And I feel happy about that decision. You've done well. Yeah. Hey, see, there's no hey, reason to watch it. Hey, uh, Helmut, I did the podcast with uh, with Kelsey and Megan. And uh-huh. obviously, Kelsey hasn't seen like any of those movies. Kelsey <laughs> hasn't we seen to, anything. She go, I go, well, just humor me here. What movie have you She's like, I don't know. I've never seen that one. She you never know, seen which, Jurassic Park like no, last time she best. was here, wasn't it? What? She go, she goes, I've never seen, you know, like that one with the blue people. And Megan, <laughs> hey, and Megan, Megan isn't, Megan is in such disgust. You can just hear it in her voice. She's like, um, Avatar? Like, and I haven't seen it either, but as soon as she said that, like, I just knew, like, what she was talking about, the blue people. Kelsey you wants, never saw uh, the Smurfs? <laughs> yeah, right. Kelsey once showed me, like, an Instagram meme with, it was a, it was a screenshot of Titanic. And she was like, I keep seeing this. What is this from? And like, <laughs> really like again like you have to you have to really not like you you have to work to surprise me you know like if you haven't seen Casablanca I'm like whatever that movie's 100 years old who cares but like Titanic especially as a a millennial woman to have never seen Titanic like I could not or at least know what it was from no straight up the reference she was like what the hell is this they're like they were like Leonardo DiCaprio I don't they were like wearing coats in the photo because it's cold outside on the boat and she's like is this like from a Christmas movie I was like are you messing with me 
Like you what, can't, you can't be serious. What is this right here? This is Dorothy with her dog yeah. Toto. She there's just a, hates James Cameron. There's a decent chance Kelsey not an Avatar know or Titanic. Toto is. Oh my Those God. are like the two most popular movies of all time, too. Like literally, that she oh, didn't know. I, I, yeah, that's maybe the most surprised I've ever been <laughs> in my life is that a thirty-year-old white woman had never seen Titanic. Wow! Shout out to well, Kelsey. Come back on the pod. Yeah. Well, guys, <laughs> uh, if I don't see you before, then safe travels uh, out to Oxnard, and uh, we'll be back with some more about them Cowboys next week, partially live from California. How about that? So uh, yeah. it's here. We made it off season. I mean, most of it it's still training camp, still kind of off season, but uh, in my opinion, uh, but we'll be back next week. Go follow Dave Hellman. Check out his work over at FoxSports.com. John Machado's uh, articles we told you about, and he'll have much more coming. Of course, Bob Sturm, a good article on Dalton Schultz as well. You should check that out. And uh, also go check out the Mad About Movies podcast with old Kent Garrison. You should do oh, that thank as you. well. Um, and the Ben Skin Show with KT. Oh, yes. On the radio. Two to five. In Thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. We have uh, our buddy Jeff Cavanaugh been filling in with us on uh, on Fridays. And I think tomorrow, I think he's starting a a, a daily call-in at 4.15. Oh, shout out to Jeff. Cowboys Catch-Up with Jeff Cavanaugh. Daily, 4.15 on the Ben Skin Show on 97.1 The Eagle. So, Who wouldn't want to uh, hear that? Rock on, everyone. Um, and uh, we'll uh, catch up next week. This has been About Them Cowboys. Bye. Hello. This certainly isn't how I uh, envision this or plan this, uh, but but I am going to retire. Uh, this is not an easy decision. Uh, honestly, it's the hardest decision of my life. August 24th, 2019. Andrew Luck is wearing a Colts t-shirt and shorts. His left ankle is wrapped. He's awkwardly shuffling back and forth behind a podium on the bottom floor of Lucas Oil Stadium. Confirming the news that had rocked the sports world an hour earlier, he was done with football. For the last four years or so, I've been in this cycle of injury, pain, rehab, injury, injury, pain, rehab. Torn cartilage in his ribs, a lacerated kidney, an injury to his throwing shoulder that had knocked him out for an entire season. And in 2019, a calf and ankle injury that just wouldn't heal. Luck and his body were trapped in an unrelenting loop. It's, it's been tiring. I, I feel tired and not just in the physical sense. It didn't feel real then, and in a lot of ways it doesn't feel real now. That night I watched a 29-year-old franchise quarterback, the very player the Colts moved on from Peyton Manning for, give up the game he loves three weeks before his 30th birthday. Broken down, battered, his love of the game gone. Felt stuck in it, and the only way I see out uh, is, is to, to no longer play football. That night, I saw a man who'd been drowning for four years. It was confounding, but more than that, it was sad. It's taken my joy of this game away. Uh, and uh, this... Sorry. Luck never expected to retire like this, never wanted to retire like this in a late night impromptu press conference. But an hour earlier, while the Colts were playing a home preseason game, with Luck standing on the sidelines, ESPN's Adam Schefter broke the news that Luck was done with football. You see Andrew Luck on the sidelines. There is a report that has been filed by Adam Schefter of ESPN that Andrew has informed the team 
of his desire to retire from the National Football League. The shocking news worked its way through the stands, creating an unreal scene inside Lucas Oil Stadium. Colts fans booing Andrew Luck, the franchise's biggest star. Yeah, I'd be lying if I didn't say I heard the reaction. Yeah, it hurt. I'll be honest, Trap. It hurt. He was once labeled the greatest quarterback prospect since John Elway. And in the early part of his career, Andrew Luck more than lived up to all the hype. There was just this joy to his game. He flung it all over the field. He screamed like a six-year-old. He ran straight into linebackers and then would help them up off the ground afterwards. He told defensive ends great hit after they'd driven him into the turf. He led seven fourth quarter comebacks as a rookie. He won playoff games. This is a guy who in his retirement press conference that night literally thanked the game of football. And I guess in a philosophical sense, I want to thank football for so many wonderful moments in my life and the pressure, circumstances, environment that pushed me to grow, learn, change in so many meaningful ways. It's the greatest team sport in the world. Sitting there, listening to Luck try to explain something that was both completely unbelievable and at the same time completely understandable, I kept asking myself one question. How in the world did we get to this point? And after 2016, where I played in pain and was unable to regularly practice, I made a vow to myself that I would not go down that path again. Come to the proverbial fork in the road. Uh, and and I, I made a vow to myself that if I ever did again, I would choose, choose me in a sense. I woke up the next morning and the first thought in my head was, did that really happen? And over the years that have followed, there have been times watching the Colts shuffle from one quarterback to another that I'll find myself asking the very same thing. And I know, I know the Colts' top decision makers, owner Jim Irsay, general manager Chris Ballard, head coach Frank Reich, have done the very same. How does one of the greatest quarterback prospects ever end up walking away from the game before he turned 30 years old? Over the course of the last five months, we've asked everyone, from Bruce Arians to Tony Dungy, from David Shaw to RG3, from Chuck Pagano to Peter King, Tom House, Chris Ballard, and dozens more. That is the question this podcast will try to answer. I'm Zach Kiefer from The Athletic. Welcome to Luck.